It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What is going on, lacrosse I'll tell you what's going on. It's episode 105 of Lacrosse Classified, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jake Elliott. My co-host name is Brad Challoner. Brad, right off the top, uh, welcome back to the podcast. This is actually, I know it's not really your anniversary, but this is literally as we move into episode 105, I had it marked down in my calendar. This is the two-year anniversary of Lacrosse Classified. So happy anniversary, man! Are we are we are we blowing up a, out a cake? Are we sipping some scotch tonight? What are uh, we doing? How, yeah. how are we celebrating this grand milestone? Well, I thought 100 was the biggie. Yeah, it is, I guess, and it was. No question. You've been about doing it. it for two years. You haven't missed a week. So wouldn't 104 have been the 52? I want to say there was like a. Wasn't, I think there was or like did you a, mark it out on the calendar? I think there was a leap year in there and maybe, uh, you know, an extra, I don't know what happened there. But Either way. Maybe it was last week. Either way, we're celebrating the two-year anniversary of Lacrosse Classified. And, and I don't know about you, Brad Challoner, but uh, I'm kind of celebrating the fact that the Stars and Stripes, the U.S. of A., have themselves a new leader down south of the border as Joe Biden, now the president of the United States of America. And I, I'm, I'm kind of celebrating up here in Canada, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, this is the leading news story in Canada last week. And as it would have been in, in many places in the world, but I was just laughing watching the news the other night, how deep into the newscast where we got like the first local story on here in Vancouver. But I literally yeah, could just... not take my eyes off it for four days straight. Like no, I, I think flipping. I watched more. I like the guys that I don't have. Uh, I don't have cable, so I don't have access to CNN. But uh, CNN.com, uh, Brad. You can ABC, just watch ABC it. ABC guys, the yeah. ABC guys killed it. John Muir and uh, Stephanopoulos. Every time I turn on the TV, no matter what kind of time of day it yeah. was, there no they sleep. were. I'm like, when did these guys sleep? No, they don't. They didn't. You can't. I don't know what they were doing to stay awake for that. Like, I think they're like taking like two hour naps. Like they'd sub a guy in for a couple hours. They must, but then they come back. They don't look like they have bags under their eyes or they haven't slept. Like they're just so, they're so pro as a broadcaster watching those guys work all week. It was, uh, it was very inspiring to see the hours that they put in and the dedication those guys put in, but yeah, they get it. They get it right down South in, in my opinion. And I think we're a lot closer now to, a, a lacrosse season under a Biden Harris campaign than we would have been under a, a Trump Pence campaign. I trust that that the the COVID nineteen pandemic is in better hands now, and we can try to get a hold of this thing and get the vaccines rolled out and work on getting these borders opened again one day. And I think we're closer to that today than we were a week ago. No question about it. And and speaking of vaccines, CNN, Brad, just CNN.com on your iPad. You can actually just watch CNN. Um, announcing today, vaccine December 1st. They're going to roll this out for emergency use only. So patients in critical care, but it is tested very well. December 1st, they're going to introduce this as emergency use only. And then I think, you know, we're probably a couple of months Past that, you're going to start to see this move its way into the public sector. So you think about that in the lead-up time to April here. This is massive, massive news. You knew it was coming, but and like I was saying 
uh, to whoever would listen right off the top, like as soon as this election is over one way or the other, don't be surprised if we see a vaccine for this. And I don't want to get all conspiracy theory and all the rest of it because the timelines are what they are. But big pharma, elections, all of it, it's no surprise to me that this thing is showing up five days after the election. So yeah, it's a fishy in it, but it's also like, can you put, you can't really fight. You can't have, we have a vaccine in our, in your platform because then everyone's going to say, well, why can't we just get it now? You don't, <laughs> yeah. don't keep that in your back pocket. So yeah, interesting well, timing. Interesting yeah. timing so sure. Pfizer, that's coming through Pfizer from what I understand. I got to do a little more research on it, but uh, that was great news to wake up to today and, and always on a Monday here it's a bit of a rainy foggy monday in nbc um for us where we're located but our old buddy evan Schemenauer has has been on the facebook lately brad talking about what's going on in saskatoon there is like three feet of snow in the tune right now they can't even drive on the streets it's shut (laughs) and i said to him i went for a run in in shorts today evan just (laughs) Well, it's that weird time of year. They're calling for snow potentially here, which will just be like an inch. I don't know if it was tonight or if it later this week. But then you look across uh, Toronto. They were in shorts and a T-shirt last week. I was watching the the election celebrations in New York City and Philly, and there's people in shorts and T-shirts out there. I'm like, what is happening? We're there's snowing in Saskatoon, and I don't know if people know or not, but here in BC, we're on a pretty heavy. Uh, we're not on full lockdown, but really strict COVID measures came in place again last uh, on Saturday where yeah. they're limiting really hard limits on restrictions on who you can, who you can be seeing, who you can't be seeing uh, restaurant limitations, travel from, you can't go from, I can't travel to Jake's house right now. I can't get into from for the Fraser health district to the Vancouver coastal health district. You can't travel back and forth unless you're, you're working. So if you said to me, Hey, let's meet at the pub down my street. Can't not do that yeah. wow. uh, right now or mainland. So, it's affecting sports. All sports are XLL. Are yes, Brad. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk, about, we'll talk that. about that later. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're in crazy times, man. Like this election news happens. People are celebrating on Saturday morning, and then by Saturday night here locally, anyways, Doctor Bonnie Henry puts these restrictions on. It's just been like this whole year has been an absolute roller coaster of emotions and news and. Well, but uh, but here we are, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, BC has always been pretty progressive about how they have handled this pandemic and taking extra precautions instead of kind of a wait and see attitude and people up in arms about this new restriction, you know, their kids can't play team sports and all the rest of it again, suck it up people. Like I I just, and and, you know, like I'm watching these celebrations and, and dance parties going on around, around the country and stuff. And I'm just like, I think it's great instead of the rioting and looting and all the rest of it. I think it's great that people are, but then like I watched the Notre Dame Clemson game and after oh. the game, 50,000 people rush onto the football field and like half are went like, and I just thinking to myself, like we're never going to get through this. Like it's never going to end. So I listen, this affects everybody. I, I haven't seen my dad in eight months. I haven't worked properly. Like, I haven't called a game in eight months. So I'm ready, more ready than than anybody else here as well, but I'm okay with Dr. Bonnie going a little above and beyond if that's what it takes. And I and I hope others are as well. Like wear your freaking mask, people. And just don't be selfish. Like I've got no problem staying yeah. at home for God. the next two weeks. Like if you're by yourself Is that the worst thing you have to do no, in your life? Pick up Stay a hobby. home. Go pick up a keyboard or a guitar or 
write that lacrosse rant article you've been holding back on. Um, stay do something. No, I got to stay you home. You can stay home and you can be productive at home. Just find a hobby. Jeez. Okay, Brad, uh, there's our, our commentary. We don't even need to discuss how our weekends went or anything like that. Let's start talking some lacrosse here on Lacrosse Classified in, in an excellent lineup for 105 as we ha- we will have our, our Stampede Stallion of the Week. We're going to talk about that in, in mere moments. Uh, two calls to the hall this week. Two of them, Brad, both uh, former Toronto Rock legends. They both spent some time in other markets as well, but it's the Scoop and Swoop show here as uh, first up, 15 <laughs> minutes from now, one Jim Veltman will join us and then coming up in probably about half an hour, 35 minutes, Danny Swoop, Stroop. I don't even know if, if Stroopy has like ever done a podcast before. He's a pretty quiet laid back kind of guy like doesn't put himself out there on social media doesn't so i'm looking forward to this uh, like i texted dan i said hey you want to and then he called me instead of texting back he called me and was like like he's listened to the show we you were with him down there and Everett. like he knows what's up he's like okay you know like, i just figured i'd call you and like let's talk about what we you know and so i said you know like it's gonna be well, okay. getting a little he wanted a little preamble yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are we gonna it's talk gonna be about? good so i said we're gonna you know talk about how great your career was that's that's essentially what we're gonna do dan we're gonna pump your tires until they're ready to explode so looking forward to to scoop and swoop coming up here quick stick something else as well uh, as the Jimmer will join us uh, before he goes under the knife. He'll talk about that. Nothing too, too serious. Uh, but let's get to it here, Brad, because we got to get to Jimmy Veltman. Our Stampede Tack Stallion of the Week. And at Stampede Tack in Western Wear, we want to thank, they want to thank, we want to thank all of our veterans who have served our two great nations and honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Of course, Remembrance Day coming up which will be tomorrow when this this podcast comes out and Veterans Day as well down south. Both because of the, the, the global pandemic this year on Remembrance Day, it'll be quite different, but we must make sure we do not forget about those who we have lost and who have fought for us. Lest we forget, we shall remember them. And and big thanks to, to Kevin and Naja and everybody at Stampede Tack for getting us that message. Obviously, we want to send our sentiments as well, but I think Stampede Tack and Western Wear uh, sum up Remembrance Day pretty well there in a short paragraph. Yeah, well done. Well done uh, to the crew out there. And I, I reflect those sentiments too. Put that put that poppy on. I know it's a little bit difficult this year because we're not even gathering going to stores a lot. Yeah. But go find yourself a poppy. They're outside most of the major grocery stores. You still have to go feed yourself. Gas station. Go support when you see them. The liquor store, they're always at the liquor store. I don't so go there. I know, I know I, you'll be at the liquor store. I don't go there. I know there. most people will be at the there liquor store. Go. Maybe not you, but... Nope, uh, I'm not a big That's liquor store. <laughs> okay, so absolutely, lest we forget, Remembrance Day, uh, make sure you recognize, take a moment, and, and thank a veteran if you see him. Uh, this week, our Stampede Stallion, by the way, check out the Instagram, uh, Stampede Tack in Western, we're getting the horses refinished down there. I don't know if you've been in there, Brad, but they have like full life-size like ceramic horses down there. They're getting a new shine on those those puppies so check that check out the instagram took a picture of that uh, our stampede stallion of the week it's my week to pick brad and i'm going back to peterborough here back to back borough guys and my stampede stallion of the week honoring a guy that really doesn't get the recognition that he probably should 
Corey Vitdog Vitarelli is my selection this week. Uh, Brad, do you want to talk about Corey Vitarelli for a little bit? Yeah, and I'm a little surprised. Well, A, that we went Burrow two weeks in a row. B, <laughs> I thought you were going to go defense because I kind of thought the trend for the oh, first yeah. few weeks here well, was you were not that you have to, but no. I thought, you know, you being a D guy, me being an O guy, and I know where our allegiances lie sometimes. I do have a D guy lined up that I, I probably should have went to. And, and now that you said that, maybe that is the trend we will go, and, and, I'll, and I'll go back to that uh, theory next week. No, no, but, we, it's all about bucking trends. But right. I, I have no problem with this pick whatsoever. And and I could almost just recite for the same reasons I picked Josh Courier last week. He could say the same thing about Corey Vitarelli this week. He's just a career solid secondary guy and championships have followed Corey Vitarelli around, whether it's been in the summer with the Peterborough Lakers, whether it's been in the national lacrosse with the Rochester Nighthawks, but just what you want is a high shooting percentage and, you know, 20, 25 to 30 goals out of your guys who aren't named, you know, Cody Jamison or, or Kevin Crowley or Curtis Dixon, right? You want guys that are able to contribute, pick up offensive zone, loose balls, get second touches, fantastic in the two man game. And that's what Corey Vitarelli brings. You know, you have to finish in the National Lacrosse League. I've seen a lot of, lot of depth forwards kind of cycle in and out of teams over the years because when they have their opportunities, they just don't finish. And you can never say that about Corey Vitarelli, who's sitting there with the Philadelphia Wings. He's still in a fantastic lacrosse club and might not be shy of another ring before this thing wraps up, you know? Well, speaking of rings, three with the Lakers in 10, uh, excuse me, 07, 10, and 12, uh, another three with the Rochester Nighthawks in, in their three-peat. And, again, we talked about guys that do the little things, the role players, the guys that you – the grinders, if you will, Brad, that need to do the little things to help an offense be successful. And, exactly. And Corey is the epitome – of that, yeah, he's not gonna light the the stat line on fire, but he's gonna show up. He's got a flair for the big goal, and he's got a real flair for the highlight real goal. Like he's like he doesn't really score ugly goals. He's one of those guys, you know what I mean? Like they're all kind of vit dog, the air dog. Really, one of the guys that started to introduce the dunk from behind the net pretty early in his career, like. He was well, when one you of the play where he plays, when you play where he plays on the floor, and we'll talk a lot. I want to talk to Dan Super about this. Like a pure, as far as the a, a pure crease guy goes in the National Lacrosse League, like that is Corey Vitarelli, and you have to earn your living down there, taking your lumps. But you have to get creative on the doorstep, and whether that is him dipping, dunking, or or going behind the back and falling on top of a goaltender, or falling on top right on top of the crease, you have to get. You have to have that that patience in there because you have to get the goaltender to, to bite and make your move from in tight. He's not a he's not a pure outside shooter. He's an inside guy, and you have to grind your way to those kind of goals. And he's 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 been the epitome of that for years. Yeah, and never a guy you're gonna accuse of of being in love with with the gym, Brad. But got it done, and you know, like into the corners, all the rest of it, and and pretty pretty consistent as far as games played and all that sort of stuff goes and and like didn't say a whole lot right like doesn't doesn't do a lot of talking just goes about his business and and gets the job done yeah i i don't maybe we should have him on the show i don't know if i've ever heard a cory vitarelli interview yeah i mean if i rack my brain like yeah. he hasn't been on a lot of podcasts I don't know. That might be a guest down the road here. Okay. You you heard it here first. Book on, it. On Book the, it. Across classified. So, Corey Vitarelli, welcome to the stable, brother. You are our stampede stallion 
of the week. That is quarter one in the books. Let's go. It's time for quarter two. It's time to go to Ontario, I believe, is where Jimmy Scoop Veltman is hanging out right now. Jim Veltman. Wait till you hear the stat line on this cat when we introduce him in quarter two. It's ridiculous. Stick around. EP 105 Lax Glass right here at Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. This is the executive director of the PLPA and Ford for the Toronto Rock, Reed Reinhold. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. You just heard from our good friends at the Vancouver Warriors. VancouverWarriors.com. Nothing's offside. Check the Instagram and Twitter as well, at NLL Warriors. And I know more weekends of the Lacrosse Academy, the Warriors Academy, Brad, is coming up. A few sessions down there at Rogers, a couple out at LEC. And, and the boys I know, talking to a couple of them, are having a lot of fun with this. Well, how could you not? You get to play lacrosse inside Rogers Arena with Mitch Jones and Chris Gill, and yeah, they're doing they're doing the right thing here. And it's nice to see that here in a local level, there's an NLL team that can still reach out and invite some youngsters and, and make that impact. And you know, hopefully, those players are uh, are season ticket holders and coming back to Warriors games sometime soon. Absolutely, keep your fingers crossed for April. Speaking of Chris Gill, I know uh, he won. I think two out of. And I almost have a hard time saying this. Eight NLL championships that this next man won starting back in 19... I can't even say it with a straight face. Eight NLL championships starting back in 1992 with the Buffalo Bandits winning three there. On to Toronto, another five with the Rock. And, uh, oh yeah, let's throw in four-man cups as well. For our next guest, he is the current new GM of the New York Riptide and Jim. He's also, I think, like my former coach of back in, I want to say like Pee Wee or Bantam or something. When was the first? Jim Veltman onto the program. Scoop, uh, thanks so much for doing this. So glad to have you. When was your first time out with the Adnex? Was that like late 80s? It was um, anyway. Thanks for having me on. This is this is great. I love your podcast, so it's really a pleasure to be on here. Um, I was, you know, I, my first year was my rookie season as a senior A player with the Coquitlam Adnax, and that was way back in 1988. If you can remember that far back, I well, I can because I remember like me and and Derek Malowski and Kyle Cooling uh, out at Old Monday Box, and and you were like one of the the guys helping out, coach. And I like had no really idea. I knew you were a senior Adnac, but no clue that you would go on to the storied career that you have had and and continue to have now as the GM of the New York Riptide. But man, uh, Jim, like I, I'm 14 out of 16 years you led the league in loose balls. You did not take faceoffs. John Tavares calling you the greatest teammate he's ever had. 
Uh, out of the, out of your entire career, the man cups, the eight championships, the the record. Like, do you have a moment where one sticks out more than the other for you? Well, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's not an easy task to pick one moment. I mean, there's most of it involves other players, right? Just being part of a team and and setting a goal at the beginning of the year. And most most teams set a goal of a championship, and to be part of those, you know, cups that I've won. You know, as a group, like there's nothing like it, really. I mean, I've been to the birth of my kids. I've been married. I've, you know, there, there's significant times in life where you'll never forget. And and those moments of winning championships, like there's no, it's hard to describe. Like there is no feeling like it. And it is all about setting that goal at the beginning of the year and accomplishing that goal at the end of the year. It's it's a bit of relief, but at the same time, it's elation. It's it's all kinds of emotions that are cooking through you. And um, I mean, to pick one, it's probably my, my first man cup in 1992 um, with the Brampton Excelsiors was uh, one of my you know biggest moments because you know, it's a grind when you're, you're winning man cups because it it's, could be seven games and nine nights and new Westminster salmon bellies were a very formidable opponent. Um, I had brother John on the team as well, right? Brother John. And my brother was on the team. The Coyle brothers were on the team. Tavares was on the team. Cordingly was on the team. So we had a pretty good team, but to beat that kind of team from out West that I was familiar with having lost to them a few times, um, being part of the Adnax was um, uh, a moment I'll never forget. Was that in, that was in US too, was it not? No, it was was in Brampton. And then 93 back out here. Makes it even more special then. Yeah, it was actually the final game. It was so hot and muggy in Southern Ontario as usual in Memorial Arena, which wasn't air conditioned or anything like that. <laughs> the floor became Jeez. slippery in, yeah. the, in the first two periods. The floor was so slippery that somebody had this brilliant idea of putting rods in, which you normally did just in front of your bench doors. The but entire floor, they put right? Rods in all over the floor. I remember like with that. A, yeah. With a fertilizer spreader. Uh, someone put it all over the floor, but what they didn't realize that once the players started playing, all those footprints, you know, the dust started rising. <laughs> oh my God. I remember there's so, some old sketchy VHS video of Brampton's Memorial. And you're a Brampton guy, Jim, which probably had to make it even more special winning in your hometown. But uh, there, there's some sketchy video out there of that. And just the entire floor covered in white and all these thousands of footprints all over the place. Incredible. Uh, scene to watch that and then the next year you, you come to Coquitlam with a lot of those same characters uh, against a, a team that you played for in 1993 and that series probably wasn't as as close um, as as 92 but man <laughs> the, I was front row and center for watching that entire series and, and what a team that 93 squad was yeah we I mean we just added to our team. It was like, you know, winning really attracts people. And all of a sudden people were starting to call us and say, Hey, if you got a spot, I'd love to play for you guys kind of thing. So uh, I think even the 93 team might've been a bit better for that reason. Um, And we were, we knew how to win by that point. And uh, we didn't lose much. I believe that whole year we might've gone undefeated and uh, ended up winning that man cup. I, I believe Coquitlam beat us the first game or the second, but then we swept the rest of the games um, after that. It, it wasn't as tough a contest, to be honest, as the New West series the season before. But part of that was because we didn't know how to win before. Right. And then once you have that, you know, 
you got that first win in you, you start to understand what it takes. And um, after that, the, you know, the cup started flowing. It was, it was great. It was great. Well, let me let, let's. Yeah, the ball does get rolling as you win a bunch of buff, win a few with Buffalo, and then the Toronto Rock dynasty. But let's kind of pit those two dynasties against each other, Jim. Two of the best of the, the National Lacrosse League has ever seen. Let's just go like '92 Bandits play like the 2000 Toronto Rock. <laughs> Who comes out on top? Oh boy, uh, talent-wise, the Bandits, but team-wise, where everybody understands what they are supposed to do. I would say the rock. Um, and most people say defense wins championships. And to be honest, uh, the, in Buffalo, we would outscore teams to be honest. Uh, we had great players that could put the ball in the net. Um, we're in Toronto. We, we were so sound defensively. And back then you could, you could do almost anything on defense and not get a penalty. So <laughs> Seriously. we had, you know, we had no, guys seen like Coyle and Bullen. And yeah. <laughs> you've seen the Coyle, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. his hit. Yeah. on Casey Powell and so on. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even think he got a penalty on the play. Oh, man. I, like, and it's crazy. Like, Dallas is is always uh, posting stuff up on his Instagram of the glory days in the Spectrum and the Odd and, and the Boston Garden, you name it. Uh, and, and fans just going nuts. But, like, literally guys could just take each other's heads off, tackle them to the ground, and play would just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> almost encouraged, to yeah. be honest. It was uh, the ownership was a two man ownership, um, Russ Klein and uh, Chris Fritz, and right. and they were used to the monster truck shows and all that kind of stuff. And they they basically encouraged it. They they wanted you know the Canadian style fighting, you know head head hunting. Um, actually, I remember a play you know that I got a pass from my goalie and Dallas came out to hit me almost mid floor. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> he liked to do and, that. And I remember. I remember I still had the ball. I fell. I still had the ball on my stick. And instead of throwing it at the empty net, I threw it at him. <laughs> and and it just started a whole, like, everybody jumped on top of each other. And, oh, and after man. that game, I remember the ownership group saying, that was phenomenal. That was awesome. More of that. More wow. of that. That's exactly. unreal. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. uh, you know, let's put the, the glory days behind us here a little bit, Jim. As you go into the Hall of Fame back in – in 09 and you've made a couple of stops along the way but you work your way back into the national lacrosse league here as rich list names you the new gm of the of the new york riptide and i guess where i'm going with all this jim it's it's going to be a project there in new york after coming off a tough season what's your biggest concern or what is the number one priority for you leading into next year uh i honestly i mean as a gm it's culture really um it's that winning attitude that I was just alluding to earlier when um, I played in Brampton, we had lost for many years. Um, and then all of a sudden you win and you get a taste of it and you start to understand what it takes. Uh, to be honest, I mean, uh, nothing against the guys on the riptide. I know Dan McCray had a taste of winning in Calgary, which is great. Uh, but other than that, we don't have, I don't think anybody uh, tasted victory uh, and championship and, so that you know, hiring Dan Latticer was key. He knows what it takes. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I know what it takes just because I've been taught, not because I'm so great. Is you know, I had a mentor in Les Bartley and I had Terry Sanderson as well, and just surrounded myself with some really good people that understood how to win, and I learned a lot from those people. And now I want to bring that knowledge to this team and just try to teach the players that it it starts from day one. Like it, it doesn't start mid-season it doesn't start at the season 
you know, it's a lot of preparation along the way. Um, and just teaching guys uh, what it takes. And, and um, hopefully sorry, we'll bring in some players that can teach that. Yeah, I'm just I'm wondering, like, what are some of those things that you want to teach these guys about winning culture? Everybody talks about winning culture and wanting winning culture and having winning culture. But how do you get winning culture? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of it is the little things that you do on the floor. It's the little mini battles that you win on the floor that – that turn into big battles and it's things like, you know, and they're cliches I know, but it's not, not focusing on the result of the game, but just the process. Like what is it going to take to get the result that I want? Not just say I want to win a championship or I want to win this game. Um, trying to understand all the little things that go into winning that game. And that's winning a loose ball. Uh, I know I prided myself in that part and, I was pretty proud of that part um, because I think it made a difference. Uh, you know, having possession and not possession is a difference between being able to score and not being able to score. So it was a big part of the game, and and I was fortunate that you know I got accolades for it. But um, and then having goal scorers and having defensive guys and having the defense understand that a stop is just as good as a goal and like little things like that, and even with your goaltender and helping him understand that, okay, yeah, if a goal goes in, think about the next one. Don't get focused on, you know, those little things that go into the game that um, I think turn into championships in my mind. How do you highlight those things to the players, Jim? Is it like a stat sheet after the game? Is it in tape where you can say, hey, look, guys, this loose ball turned in, you know, to this transition opportunity that turned into this goals, and you're highlighting not the goal scorer, but the guy who grabbed that Lucy to start that play. Exactly. No, that's, you, you know, you nailed it right there. It's, it's not just showing the highlight real goal. It's what led up to that, uh, showing that everybody's important, not just some people, um, you know, like even guys that are working hard at practice and maybe not getting in your lineup, like, you know, just communicating with those guys that you are important to this team. You are pushing our starters, right. To get better. Don't just, you know, hang your head and think, oh, I'll never get in or what am I doing here? You play a role as big as anybody. Um, and a lot of people think there's only one leader. That's, that's not true. There's there's lots of leaders on the team and you can lead in different ways. There's some guys that are rah-rah guys. There's some guys that are modeling guys. There's some guys that are good in warm-up. There's some guys that are good at defense. Like there's just so many areas of the game that you can lead in and we're going to encourage all of our players to try to think about that I was where a, are you going to lead this team i was a warm-up guy i was a big warm-up guy hey and you know what <laughs> i mean you might laugh about it but honestly we you need that yeah, you need no. that to make sure everybody's focused right and everybody's doing what they're supposed to do um because some guys aren't good at that i i wasn't a great warm-up guy i you know, so I needed somebody to take that over and, but make it important, not just, not just joke about it, so, but really so, yeah, make I mean, it important. Sometimes that's all I got, Jim. So I had to, you know, make the <laughs> most of it. <laughs> how, how about Mr. Crawford there, Jim? We know what he's going to bring onto the floor, but what kind of culture and leadership does, does Callum Crawford bring to a room with his personality? Well, to be honest, I've never been, I, uh, I wasn't in New England when he was brought in, so I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that, you know, I trust Rich Lisk and he was there when Callum was there and, and we believe Callum still has a lot to give. I know he's kind of in the twilight of his career, but he's in phenomenal shape. He's still one of the top guys in the league. If you ask me, um, 
uh, I think he's still a top five player. Stats stats would say that, Jim. I mean, he's been right up there, which is crazy to think that the older he gets, almost the more productive he's gotten. Yeah, but I think he really is a student of the game. Like the more and more I, I engage with him in this off season, the more I, I realize that he loves the game. It, it is twenty four seven for him. It's not a sometimes thing. And I'll admit, like I wasn't a twenty four seven guy. I kind of compartmentalized my life. I was a, I was a teacher. I was a dad. I was a husband. I was, so I was kind of like, okay, now it's lacrosse time. And then I devoted those hours to lacrosse. Every time I talk about him, it's lacrosse, lacrosse, lacrosse. Like, it's unbelievable how much time that guy spends into the game. And so that kind of tells me that, you know, he can teach guys, especially the younger guys. That's what it takes. Sometimes it takes that extra to get good, and and he's that good. Speaking with Hall of Famer and GM of the New York Riptide, Jim Veltman here on Lacrosse Classified, and and. Callum's a, definitely a nice piece. He got the, the number one pick from a couple of years ago in Tyson Gibson. He, I know you won't have him for the upcoming season, or maybe you will, depending on what you happens down there for that college season. But in one Jeffrey Teed, and, and you're talking about guys scoring highlight real goals. So he's going to do a bunch of that, and, and he's probably going to set up a bunch as well. And good Brampton boy, too, Jimmy. Uh, you got to be real fired up to get your hands on 51. Yeah, I, I was pretty excited when I when I took the job. Um, you know, one thing I got really excited with Rich and, and with Laddie, uh, you know, is that we're going to take Jeff Teed. And it was kind of funny because there was one GM that said, well, well, so what would it take? And and I right away squashed the deal. I said, I'm not even going to talk about it. I don't want rumor going around that maybe we'll trade something. Yeah, yeah. You could give me Lyle Thompson and four first rounders. I probably would still take Jeff. Really? Like that's how. Because that was what we I were kicking I, around, man. I am this guy. Like we were literally and, and kicking. People were. Yeah. And I I wanted it to be known that I was not trading this kid. Like, there's no way. Wow. Um, and and because I think it sends him a message too. Yeah. Um, and I want him to have that message that we're so excited to have a player of his ability in our program and with our group, and we want to build with him. Uh, we have other pieces too, because lacrosse is a team game. It's not a one-man game, but uh, we're just so thrilled, thrilled to have him just because I think he he thinks the game right through. Um, a guy his size has to, because there's no, you know, he's not a, a Gary Gate. He's not a Colin Doyle who go through his, They'll go through guys. He's he's he'll outthink you, and he'll f- figure out ways to put the ball in the net, or put the ball in the stick of somebody who can put it in the net. And we're thrilled uh, just to have him with us. Yeah, we we were talking like literally, we were discussing what it would take. Like, what would make you say yes? And and four first round picks was where we stopped. You're throwing in Lyle Thompson as well, which. My goodness, I don't know if, uh, yeah, if I'm turning and, that. Yeah, and the debate, well, Lyle was in there because we kind of debated, uh, we kind of debated on Twitter, like what, what active players plus a bunch of picks yeah. would you trade for that? And then a bunch, if, if we were putting on our Jim Veltman hats and like the list of players is not long. It's like three or four players long. And then we start looking at how many, at, how like, many you know, first rounders picks, would it take? And and Jim, like you mentioned, New England, and I don't know why I just like completely blacked out on those years that that you were there. But really, that is how when Rich made the move from New England to New York, he circled back around on you. And and I don't know how things ended in New England, but obviously not 
that poorly if he's willing to pick up the phone and bring you into New York. Talk about your relationship with Rich and uh, what, what's that been like through New England now into New York? Yeah, I, I didn't know who Rich was actually at first. I I had never heard his name or I knew Mike French. Um, so he was, he was, and I knew Glenn Clark, obviously we were working mm. together there. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He only lives like five blocks away and our, our boys are best friends. So I know, you know, I knew pieces, but um, the more and more I talked to Rich, uh, he's just an honest, uh, straight up guy, uh, tells you tough things, tells you easy things. Like he, he's a straight shooter. And, and I really like people like that. I like to surround myself with people like that. Just an honest individual. Um, and he's a smart man. He doesn't pretend to know uh, everything about the game. He's learned a lot. Um, so yeah, when the opportunity came, actually, it was funny cause he called me and I thought he was calling me about candidates cause I didn't apply. Um, and I thought he was just going to phone me about different people and Hey Jim, who do you, what do you think about? I'm thinking about this guy. What do you think? Uh, and then all of a sudden he said, no, actually I'm calling about you. Like, are you interested? And I said, well, what does the job look like? And he described the job and he described, you know, Laddie getting involved and, Laddie and I are friends as well. So um, just that whole piece, like I know Rich, I know Laddie. I'm kind of the, the piece that knows both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Those guys don't know each other. And I just felt like it, it could be a really good um, triumvirate. Um, I think uh, we can do wonderful things together. And, and to be able to build something together um, was pretty exciting for me. And just before I let Brad jump in here, Jim, I know you've hired Dan Latasura as, uh, as your head coach, but I'm not sure if I missed the announcement or not. Do you have assistants in place yet? Yes. So uh, Jason Crosby's our offensive right. coach. Right. Okay. So I, I did remember. And uh, Pat Jones is our, our defense coach. Patty Jones. Yes. I remember. I remember now. Yeah. Sure. Pat, uh, Pat's a good friends with Laddie. Um, so uh, that was a, that was a no brainer. Uh, and then Jason, obviously, he's had quite a bit of experience, mostly international, actually. Um, but we really like his offensive mind. So um, the, I think the three of them will be a, a good group to have on the bench. This is our NLL Hall of Fame series, Jim. We're kind of going through the list and, and speak with as many Hall of Famers as we can leading up to the reopening of the NLL Hall of Fame and getting some new some new blood in there. You went in in 2009 alongside... Dallas Eliak. We've got Dan Stroop coming up next, class of 2010, uh, as we go through the list here. But you know, when we got Jim Veltman on the phone, I have to ask some sort of question about about loose balls, or I'm going to feel <laughs> shitty about myself the rest of the day, saying, "How do we not pick the brain of the greatest of all time?" So, try to try to surmise what makes a, a great loose ball hound like yourself, or a Brody Merrill, or a Zach Courier. Like, is it the tenacity? Is it the athleticism? Is it the package? Like. Can you just try to put your finger on what makes someone a vacuum? Well, I, I don't think it's athletic. So I, I can't claim to be the most athletic guy or the fastest guy or the biggest guy. I wasn't. I wasn't that. Um, I think the first the first skill you need to to work on is just that's that art of anticipation. Like, where is the ball going to go? Where is it going to be? And then you know, once you figure that out and and you get good at that piece. Then the rest of it, like you said, Brad, is, is tenacity. Really, is you know, I, I, I'm going to get this ball no matter what. Um, but also an exit plan because I wasn't the biggest guy, so it's like, okay, once I'm in there with a 220 pound guy or or two of them, um, where's this ball got to go? 
and it doesn't necessarily that I got to keep hanging on to it and, you know, and swim my way out of there. Uh, maybe it's an, a quick outlet pass or it's an off the boards and keep going kind of thing. Or, you know, you just try to think of these creative things of, of how do I get this ball beyond just, you know, the loose ball scrum that it's going to be in. The master of the lob pass off the turf for a streaking Stevie Toll to run onto and, and tuck away on a breakaway. Um, last one here for you before we let you go, and, and we appreciate your time. One person that you could put in to the NLL Hall of Fame that is not in now, who are you picking? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, uh, maybe it maybe it's biased, but, you know, my friend Glenn Clark, I think he's done enough to deserve it. Uh, you know, four NLL championships. Um, I, I played beside him, so I understand. I know Pat Coyle's in, and Pat deserves it. Um, but the guy right alongside Pat Coyle was always Glenn Clark. Uh, they, he always had the toughest matchup. They always, both of them were always against the, you know, the Gate Twins and Marichucks and all the toughest players in the league. So and played two completely I, different games, Coyle and, and Clarky. Like they were, they were both sensational, but both played completely different kind of games. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like Pat was more of in, in your face, uh, force you to lose a ball. Where Glenn was more cerebral. He was you know, very good footwork. He channel you in the, you know, in the spots you don't want to go. Um, but he's strong and, you know, and tough as nails as well. They, yeah. they both fought. Uh, they both would, you know, hit harder than the next guy. And if you ever messed with any of your teammates, they were the first guys in there. Yeah. Um, so uh, to me, that's, that's Hall of Fame material, but yeah, I, I, some people might call that bias, but he's uh, hey. the first guy that I can think well, of. you know, we had Tommy Marichek on. He picked the wing. So did Dallas. It's just uh, the way she goes. A decent poker player as well, Glenn Clark. Scoop. Uh, well, I, think it, I think it is. I think it is because you know the guys, right? Like, yeah. And you also played with them. Sure. And you, you knew what they were like in the dressing room and their leadership qualities. So you get to know players. Like, do I know Tom Marichek personally? No, I've never. I think I played with him once in Team Canada, but – you know, we were so stacked that nobody had to really do anything except walk out the dressing room door. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you work with somebody and, you know, a whole season and actually play in championships with somebody, then you really understand what they're made of. No doubt and about uh, it. to me, to me, that's a, uh, that's a Glenn Clark for sure. No. And just, just so we're clear, just so that, you know, Twitter doesn't blow up or anything. Okay. I said the Lyle Thompson thing, you know, tongue in cheek. Yeah, mean, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the offer. Yeah. That is the I offer. We're going with it. I was, uh, hey, Arlotta. I wasn't actually offered yeah. that, by the way. Arlotta's already <laughs> used George. up. He used his yeah. four, he used those four first round picks up uh, in the draft away. So he doesn't even have it anymore, even if he wanted to. Scoop, right. uh, we that's appreciate right. your time so much um congratulations on just an amazing career and in the new position with the riptide looking forward to to seeing what you guys can do and put together there in new york uh, for the upcoming season and beyond thanks a lot yeah thank you and thanks for what you guys do too and promoting our league and you guys do a fantastic job thanks appreciate it there appreciate that, Jim. Was, thank you man that's uh makes makes the guy feel pretty good right there when that guy says something like that eight count him up challenger <laughs> Eight NLL titles, four Where man cups. Where does he cups. keep them? That's I, what I didn't get to ask. Where oh, are they? Are this? Uh, someone said a Crown Royal bag recently. Like, yeah. Isn't that what Tom Marichek said? I he keeps them in one of those Crown Royal yeah. purple satchels. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Jimmy <laughs> Veltman, we're going to go from one Hall of Famer to another. We're into quarter three. That was Scoop. We're going to Swoop. Dan Stroop coming up next here on Lacrosse Classified. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network.
Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Carl Christensen, Commissioner of the BC Junior A Lacrosse League. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. From one Hall of Famer to another, as we bring to the program for the very first time, I don't even know if you've ever been on anyone's podcast before, but then uh, we've known each other for quite some time. You almost ended my WA career. You and Russ Heard running the pick and roll on me back in 1995 uh, in the WLA, and I, I just could not stop. I didn't think I was going to make it. But uh, a storied NLL career into the Hall of Fame in 2010 that uh, started back in 1995 with the Baltimore Thunder, Ontario Raiders, a bunch of years in Toronto with some championships, Vancouver Ravens playing in your hometown, another championship, I believe, in Colorado, a couple of years in Edmonton and finishing off in Portland back in 2009. Out of that span of years there dan stroop uh favorite year of nll lacrosse i i think that well probably because it was uh when i was a little bit younger in my early 30s probably in the toronto days were uh amazing uh great bunch of guys playing with them i mean playing at home in in vancouver was awesome playing in colorado was amazing like the the atmosphere and uh pick a year dan stroop pick I, I mean, a year it's got something a little different Okay. <laughs> Pick a 90, year. Ninety nine. Okay. I okay. Yeah, uh, ninety nine. I think it is in Toronto. Yeah. Ninety nine Toronto Rock. So the what that was the first of five championships. I I think it was in ninety nine there. So the guys sort of just get the ball rolling. We just talked to Jim Veltman and he. I asked him ninety two buffalo bandits or 2000 toronto rock who's winning and he kind of leaned toronto because he said it was a better team buffalo was kind of maybe better offensively but toronto he said that 99 2000 team everybody knew their role it was a more cohesive unit is that kind of how you feel about that, that dynasty squad too yeah exactly i mean there was never a game that we we thought we were gonna lose it didn't matter if it was uh two minutes left when we were down by two we knew we were gonna win somehow and just everybody had a job and everybody did their job. It was, uh, I mean, that was one of the, we were one of the first teams to do the OD and um, every, really everybody had a job to do it. It was, and there were so many characters on the team. It was just, uh, it was a lot of fun, but you knew you were going to, you knew you were going to win. And most, more than not, we were successful that way. Speaking with Hall of Famer Dan Stroop, uh, you were you were much more so a goal scorer than an assist guy, and and somehow some way got the moniker Swoop. I, did did Joe Bowen give that to you, or did somebody else need? How, where did Swoop come from? And and for people that don't know, like I I think it comes from from doing so many crease dives and your little kind of post op roll in the middle and across the crease you go. But tell me how the name Swoop came to be. I think it's because of the crease dives, but only because of rhymes with stroop but uh who gave you the handle though where'd the handle come from well they had they gave everybody a nickname coming out of uh, toronto when you came out on the floor everybody had a, a, a different nickname and uh I, so I, i'm 
probably thinking it was uh, Johnny Meridian uh, or the game day people that uh, would, you know, make up those nicknames for everybody. But it was it was it was something to do with the uh, it was to do with the, the diving. What did they call Gilly? It might have been Bowen. It might have been Joe Bowen. I don't I don't know really. <laughs> what, what did they call Gilly? The thrill. Okay. <laughs> Gil the thrill. Gil the thrill. <laughs> I, I still call him that. Oh, you know what I'm at, at the fire oh, hall, I call him Isaiah the thrill there. <laughs> we're, we're using that. We're stealing that. Yeah, sure. we are. Yeah, oh, yeah we are. he's the thrill. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. That is awesome. Jake, Jake mentioned the stat line there, Dan. Like, you were the epitome of, of a goal scorer. There's not many guys that have, you know, more goals than assists at the end of their career, especially as an offensive guy, the National Lacrosse League. Guys like Benny Mack do it now, but you were the prototypical. If you think of a of a mid '90s, early 2000s Creaseman, I picture your face right there. Can you sort of talk about that that position? And I don't know if it's as prominent as it is in the NLL anymore, but just you know, being that guy who did the dirty work down low and what it took to do that night in, night out uh, back in the day. I think it was more because I didn't have an outside shot, so I had to get right up close <laughs> to the net. Come on, you then, had your fair then, share. <laughs> and, and back to you, Jake, about. Ending your career, I think you were closer to ending mine than you ending yours. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Wooden sticks were a beautiful thing, weren't they? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but uh, every year, every year was a battle. Me and Gilly didn't care how many goals we scored; we just wanted to get more assists than each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> and our favorite line going back to the bench was. Did you see me? I was open. Yeah, I didn't see, I didn't see you. <laughs> I mean, and, and then you and then you got Russ Hurd over there, who's never never shy to to take a shot either. Like, I'm surprised you you guys even got the ball in your stick half the time. Oh, he was yeah, he was awesome to play with though, because he could he was two feet taller than everybody. He could see the whole floor, and uh, he I think he had way more assists, but he had a ton of goals too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, finish. Who, so, sorry. Who was sorry? I was going to jump ahead. Jump. Uh, who was your best two-man game partner? You think of all the teams and all the years you played, but going back to the Coquitlam days, or you know, in in the NLL, who was if you were to go out on play on a floor right now and say, "There's one guy that I can run pick and rolls with as a righty." Who's that guy? Uh, it's Russ Hurd. Yeah. Just don't say yeah, Rob Williams, right? Don't say Rob Williams. It was close, but no, I went with Russ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. Yeah, I mean, well, what made what made that combination so deadly? Because I, you know, I think pick and roll. You guys are are literally like you and Russ come to mind. Randy Jones and Colin Sinclair come to mind. Colin Doyle and Kimbo Squire come to mind. What what was that connection between you two that that made it so successful? Well, honestly, he, he was a he's a student of the game. I mean, he, he's I think he's I don't know how old he is now, but he's still playing in a few different leagues and masters and whatnot. <laughs> but but uh, he. We would sit on the bench and uh, or we'd be going out next and he would tell me what they're going to do. He says, they're going to do this. They're going to come down and you just roll the net and I'll give it to you. And exactly what he said would happen. So I, I liked it. I said, let's do that one again. <laughs> give me the ball again. <laughs> but he was such a good player, student of the game. And he, I just went out and played until I started playing with him. And I, I did learn a lot from him. It was awesome. Oh, that's me. Excuse me. Champions Cup MVP in, in year 2000. Uh, so we speak with Dan Stroop here and uh, coaching career ended in Colorado and, and you kind of been away from the NLL since then. Is there a desire to get back on an NLL bench, Dan? I know you're you're doing some coaching with uh, the Junior A Poco Saints, so at least you're, you plan to be when we resume lacrosse in BC, I would think. But uh, what, what's the what's the future hold for Dan Stroop? Is there a desire there to get back on a, on an NLL bench? Um, 
I don't know, 20 years of going away every weekend. I mean, you, you did a long time as well, eh, Jake? Yeah. And, uh, it, it gets to you. And, I mean, it's a lot of fun, but you're away from the family, you're away from your wife and that. But uh, you know what? It, it is a lot of fun to coach. It's uh, great to be part of the game. And I think being with the junior the junior boys and then the uh, I, I was coaching for 10 years with the uh, Team BC program, the girls field across. So that was that was great, too. I, I love doing that, that kind of stuff. Um, you know what? If it happens one day, maybe. But uh, I'm definitely happy coaching the junior boys. And I just stepped away from the Team BC girls. So I got a little bit more time on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Yeah, but, well, uh, I wanted to ask you about that, Dan. Uh, a couple of daughters in, in Danita and Daniela, who are both very, very successful women's field lacrosse players. And and you, guys like you and Chris Gill and, and others, Brad Downey, have really kind of taken the, the girls' game to the forefront and kept pushing that forward and – I mean, 10 years ago, even, Dan, it was almost non-existent. And now what we see, like, these girls are fantastic and they can play. And, I, like, where do you – let me go with this. It drives me a little crazy with with women's field lacrosse and, the you know, like the rules, the pockets, the no helmets, the drop and the stick after you score. And then I watch the girls during the summer playing box lacrosse and they're hitting, they're running, they're bouncing off the boards, like – they love it. So why why do we need two sets or different rules for, for women's lacrosse in outdoor and, and indoor? Like, could they not just play normal? And I, and I hate to word, use the word normal, but men's rules, could they not use those just to play? Like, they would be okay doing that, would they not? Yeah, well, first, I got I got, I just got to correct you. I'll be in a lot of trouble. I got I have three daughters. Oh, my. They all play. Excuse they all me. go to Northwest. And okay. I got Bri- Brianna is my middle. Right. So, Danita, Brianna, and Daniela. Thank you. And uh, they all go to NU. And, um, yeah, they're amazing little players. But, uh, honestly, though, uh, I would like to see them wear a little more pads just because they, well, two of them have had uh, issues with concussions and whatnot from getting it's crazy. To me. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, it, but it, it, at that level, though, it's such a skilled game. It's uh, when they play it at the well, even the Team BC level is amazing. But when they play it at the college level, it, and well, it, I, I had the chance to go to the Worlds and watch them win the Worlds in 2015, and uh, it's it's just a it is a beautiful game. It's so uh, skilled and like for a, a guy to go pick up that stick, it's tough. Oh man, and, it's uh, like Malowski stick, right? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. It's like Malowski stick with no pads. Yeah, it's, they're uh, but they, you know, we the Team BC program. Um, yeah, it's growing from one team to six teams and a training team, and there was so many people involved in that. And uh, my wife Rita, she does the, she still manages. She stayed on, and she's managing all six teams. So she helps with flights, wow. and or she arranges all the flights for everybody, and and uh, accommodations, all that. So she's still uh, still involved. It's me that's out now. <laughs> but they love um, where I'm going with that, Dan. Is they they like the contact in the box lacrosse. Like they're just fine playing a physical game of lacrosse as they are playing the finesse game as well. Like they seem to enjoy it. I just I I don't well, know. My, my, if my daughters had a pick, they would pick box across. I mean, there is none of that down the state, so field across is the option for them. But that's where they 
all the girl, most of the girls learn their skills and yeah. uh, develop develop their stick skills and and uh, their game awareness is from box lacrosse. I sh- I should know this, but did you play college lacrosse, Dan? No, I didn't. Uh, maybe that's a one one regret I didn't go. But you know what? It, it, uh, I ended up getting on the fire department at a young age, so it's worked out fine. But uh, yeah, it would have been cool to have that experience, like my daughters are having. And you got, yeah, you got, sure. uh, what else are you up to? You mentioned you got your own kind, kind of company going or something. You, you, you cut out a little bit on me, so I didn't exactly hear what you said, but what else do you got going uh, on? Yeah. yeah. Well, I do. We, my wife and I, we took over an oil tank company, taking oil tanks out of, and, uh, yeah, we've been busy with that for the last year. Yeah. That's, that sounds like an endeavor. That's like an endeavor. Um, I got so one. You're, go ahead, bro. Go, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we can share. I got uh, I got one for you here, Dan. Uh, yep. we're, we're talking to, to Hall of Famers. We've had a bunch on. We talked to Jimmy just earlier, and, and he made his selection. I won't I won't tell you who it is. I will tell you it was a Toronto Rock member. But uh, the NLL kind of relaunching here, and I think a big class is, is going to be set to go in and take away the obvious like Junior and, and Doyle, who are going to be no-brainers. But for you – if you had to pick a guy to, to go into the hall, who would it be? When Doyle came out west, playing in Coquitlam back in the day, he was living with us for like 10 years over the summers. Uh, he would be obviously the pick. And like you said, junior. And I mean, there's uh, Sean Williams. He's, yeah. He was out playing with us too. He was awesome. Um, I mean, you could probably list off 15, 20 of them easy. I got, I got, I'll stay. I mean, besides those guys, I would stay close to home, and I'm hoping Gilly gets a shot at it. The and thrill. He, the thrill, you mean. Yeah, the, the thrill put up some numbers, and uh, he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was a goal scorer. And, I mean, I don't know, I don't, it's, I don't know if it's in the cards, but he's, he's off. He, he would be my pick that uh, should well, be. Well, you've got to, you've got to vote now under the new, under the new structure, Dan. So I think we know where uh, a thrill might be getting floated the dance group vote at some point. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, I got to say that these other guys are amazing too. Like, like you guys already said, Doyle and Junior and Williams, obviously they're probably slam dunks, but yeah. So you're in, you're, you're in Vancouver, the first iteration of the NLL back in the Ravens days. And then now we talk, I was speak about Chris Gill, head coach of the Vancouver Warriors, the second iteration of, of NLL lacrosse back downtown. Uh, you've been to a couple games, Dan, you were, you uh, did the opening ceremony at, at a faceoff for the first responders game. It feels like forever ago now, but I think it was just even this, this past season. Um, you know, you were there the first time you've been around the second time. What's it going to take for, for the NLL to really take off and hit that next stride in, in downtown Vancouver? I don't know. I, remember, I Back in the Ravens day, I do. I think I was with well, I was with Toronto when we came to the first game, and it was 12,000, 13,000 in the stands, and that would be that'd be nice to see if we could get a, a crowd for those players here because uh, they're uh, so talented. It's such a, such a great sport to watch. Um, I think – I mean, that makes it – I mean, they're they're going to be great no matter what. But if they could get a crowd in there, just the atmosphere for everybody else, I think it would be it would just take off. It's uh, I I don't know what it's going to take, but I hope. Well, oh, just get uh, get eighty eight down on the crease on, on the power play for you know a handful of games. You probably still could get like ten a year if you just play power play only, right? I don't think so, Jake. <laughs> the swoop the swoop turned into a fall. <laughs> 
Uh, Danny, well, hey, man, uh, I know you don't do this sort of thing a whole bunch, but uh, we appreciate your time coming on here, and uh, congratulations on an amazing career and, and being an NLL Hall of Famer. And, and uh, man, I hope to see you back uh, on an LL bench before too long in, in the future here, man. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the call. I'm not on like because nobody calls me. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thanks for, thanks for the call. Man. Appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, what a what a career okay. for, for that guy right there, Brad John, or Dan Swoops Stroop. And, and, you know, a lot of stops along the way. But uh, you know, championships in two different cities. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to throw this in there. I think he was on um, – the TFL podcast with Steve Govan. I think that's where this story came from, but they're talking about the, the Caleb Toth goal at the uh, final second of the 2000 uh, NLL final where they yeah. beat Rochester. The goal. And the goal, the goal. And, but there's apparently the only reason that Caleb Toth was that wide open was because Dan Stroop, who was the MVP of that game, yeah, had five, five goals already yeah. and they sealed him off and let a rookie niner wide open at the point Man. and ripped home that game winning goal. So, you know, the guy created it. Dan Stroop was a, was a pure goal scorer and commanded a lot of, a lot of attention from an allowed defenses in his prime. And you know what? I, I totally forgot about this. And, and I talked to Dan just before we kind of came on here and I said, do you remember this? And I want to play this clip for you. This was the very first national cross league game that I ever announced. I was beyond nervous and beyond excited. I had bugged Doug Fritz for I don't know how many years to give me a shot, give me a shot. I finally drove myself down to Portland, Oregon and stayed with all three Morgan brothers in this massive house along with a couple other guys and got to call my very first in a little game back in 07 between the Portland Lumberjacks and the Edmonton Rush. And this happened. 11 minutes to go, third quarter. Stroop in a little trouble in front of the Portland bench, and he's ridden right into the bench as Guzek drives him right in there. And over comes McElroy. He didn't like that as Stroop got double teamed into the Portland bench and as he watched the replay as Guzek just deposited him, and he watched it, did nothing to help break Danny Stroop's ball there, and it's kind of like what you see in baseball when a guy goes for a foul ball into the opposing dugout. Everybody just kind of backs away, and... So there you go, Ray Guse, uh, rest in peace. What a character he was. Just took Dan Stroop and rode him into the, to the opposing bench. Well, actually, his own bench. So it was kind of like one of those situations, like I say, where everybody, you know, like if it's if it's your own teammate, everybody's rushing to kind of save him. But because he was playing for the rush and coming, everybody just kind of cleared away and let him go flying <laughs> over the boards and uh that was a, a highlight i'll never forget along with with ray guzzi what a guy he was yeah he he was a character i remember stories of him and, and seeing him at coquitlam and you know he was he was oh, he was man. he would stand up on the bench and chirp the crowd when he got a penalty and he would smash into the glass if someone had a beer sitting on the front railing or a coffee cup or something like he was just he was on the fans he was on the opposing coaches he was one of the biggest heels in the WLA and then in the NLL a lot during his run there. So. Literally, like, him and Neil Doddridge, they're probably the two guys I wanted to throttle the most in my – like, and I just could never get my hands on them. You know what I mean? Like, they'd just mm -hmm. taunt you and, and do things, and then you could – you know, you weren't on the floor or you weren't – like, 
Those two guys, man, holy cow, did I ever want to get my hands on those two guys. Well, Rutgers, Hayfield, Doddridge. Doug, 07 was special year. You called your first NLL game. That's when you and I started working together. That's right. Uh, 07 Man Cup, Ray Guze and Jeff Snyder on the same team. Oh. Like, those, that was, those were crazy times. Didn't win, but uh, what a squad that 07 ad next yeah, it was, was entertaining as squad. well. Uh, all right, Brad, uh, two great conversations with two great Hall of Famers and Jim Veltman and Dan Stroop. Three quarters are done. One more quarter to go. Quick sticks, something else coming up. Lax Glass 105 back after this. This is John Tavares, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Back on Lacrosse Classified. That uh, interview there, by the way, Brad, brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear as their Calls to the Hall series. I forgot to mention that at the end of that Dan Stroop interview, but Stampede Tack and Western Wear, Canada's largest Wrangler dealer. They offer everything for men, ladies, kids, jeans, shirts, jackets, boots, belts, hats, you name it. They got it. Stampede, Tack, and Western Wear. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Our good friends at Stampede, Tack, and Western Wear. Most as, importantly, buckles. You didn't get buckles, buckles on the list Yes, got to have a good buckle. Very important to have a good buckle. Yeah, it's a major accessory for, uh, for a belt. Uh, quick sticks, Brad. Speaking of sponsors, Manscaped. I know we both got a little care package in the mail over last week. Uh, the Weed Whacker showed up. And uh, have you taken this for a spin yet? Let me oh, see your sorry. nostrils, man. Let I me took check a spin it out. With, I took a spin in the kitchen when I opened the package. My wife's like, you're really not doing that in the kitchen, are you? <laughs> and your nose hair is all over the floor. I didn't quite think that went through before I fired it up. But yeah. no, you know what I was thinking? So it's it's a long hair. It's a long nose hair trimmer. It's an ear hair trimmer. So you can stick it in your ear hole. You can run on the side of the ears. You got some hair sticking out there. You get I right do. up in the nostrils. I do, yeah. But it really is... The technology really is super, uh, super smooth. Advanced. And super like, it's like next yeah, level. Like every, I've, I've used Noah hair trimmers before, but they freaking, they pull yeah. and they hurt. And they're always like, I don't know, you hit the, you hit a duct and all of a sudden the tears start leaking and it's not fun. You know it's what I fun, love? This thing is just like, it's so quiet and so precise and you stick it right in there and, and, <laughs> and work it around and, and like nothing happens. You know what I love? Hair comes out. It's fantastic. You know, never mind the, the quiet stroke technology and the 7,000 RPMs and all that sort of stuff. I love the fact, two things I love about Manscaped products. One, they're waterproof, so you can do your business in the shower, which, you know, is a good spot to do that sort of stuff. And second is they're chargeable. No batteries, man. Like, I'm so mm-hmm. sick of batteries. Now you just charge these things, and they're ready to go whenever you need them. And the power stays the same because when your battery lo- runs low, then they start to slow down. They don't work. No, not with the Manscaped products. So, listen, if you haven't checked this stuff out yet, I, Lax Class 20 is your promo code. You get free shipping. You save 20%. Christmas. I don't know how many shopping days are left here, Brad, but this is the perfect gift. Men, women, doesn't matter. Check it out. Manscaped.com. Promo code LAXCLASS20. Free shipping. 20% off. You will not regret it. Trust me on this one. I, I, I'm willing to die on that hill, so to speak, there for the good folks 
at Manscaped, uh, and they present quick sticks here for us, and and uh, we got a few here, but we'll whip through them because uh, those were two lengthy chats there. First one I got on the list here is, uh, I don't know if you saw this on the old Instagram. It's pretty popular with the kids, Brad. But Challen Rogers in the squat rack at the track doing reverse lunges with like 200 pounds on his shoulders. I, I've made the, like I said, I blew my MCL out just watching this. This was ridiculous. I, I did not see that. I do, do not put it past Challen Rogers, though. I think he is maybe the best transition player in the game right now uh, and an absolute beast. And I was thinking about when you sent me this sort of quick sticks, I was thinking about Challen Rogers and how dominant he was in his final year of junior as a defenseman on the Adnac team alongside you know, Mike Mass. And, yeah. but like he, and now he's that in the NLL, like mm-hmm. he was that dominant. How long did that take? Like three, now two, three that, years? Uh, yeah. Well, he's, what is he? 20, 26, 27. Well, but like the last couple of years, he's just been a man against men. And, and yeah, he was, he was that in junior and now he's that in, in the national lacrosse. League. He's a freak. No doubt. Uh, I, I hope I pronounce this name right. Uh, Brett Boultier, um, part of the Tri-City Masters group, uh, losing his battle. I just wanted to send out my condolences to, to their family and, and friends. Uh, man, what can you say? Fuck cancer, man. Like that's, that's about it. Um, Poppy's obviously, Brad, important thing here is uh, we record on the 9th, but when the podcast comes out, it'll be the 10th. And Remembrance Day coming up, make sure you have your poppies on. Wear them on the proper side. They go above your heart. Wear, you know, left side, rub the heart there. Make sure you're you're wearing those in the proper spots. Uh, a couple of great articles coming out in U.S. Lacrosse Magazine. One on Lyle Thompson, and I like cannot encourage you enough to, to go read both of these. And the other having to do with the Haudenosaunee women and their program kind of getting off their, their feet here a little bit as, you know, we talked to Bomberry and, and we talked to Jameson about the culture, about how women and, and girls were never really encouraged or even allowed to play lacrosse, Brad, when uh, they were growing up, that is starting to change and is really starting to change now as uh you know, they have the U19 team. They're going to have a women's team as well. And this is a mandatory thing for them to be eligible to play in the World Games and the Olympics. So it's high time. It's long overdue. And, and I know culture and all the rest of it, but we've learned a lot in, in our lifetime and things change over time. And, and I'm really happy to see that the Haudenosaunee are now um, encouraging women and, and fostering women to play lacrosse. Well, and Jammer said the talent's there. It's just about putting them all together and getting the right programs out there. He said his wife is one of the most talented female yeah. cross players out there. So, yeah, that's that's good news, and the steps are heading in the right direction. Of course, it's Movember, so, you know, if you're growing your mustache, good for you. If, uh, if you can find someone that you want to support uh, for this initiative, I highly suggest you do that as well. Movember, November. That's why you're seeing a lot of dudes with mustaches uh, for prostate cancer. This month, uh, we kind of mentioned it off the top, the XLL postponed. Dr. Bronnie Hendry imposing some some restrictions. So a couple of weeks here. Uh, Got to push the start date back. Hopefully that's all it is and we can get things going uh, late November instead of mid-November. The big U or the big OLA AGM went down over the last couple of days, Brad, and the votes are in, and a lot of things were voted on, including a, a referee having a, the referees having a union that was voted down. But I think there's some 
promising things to come out of that. They want to work with the refs a little bit closer and, and get those guys uh, kind of what they deserve. I think they're fighting for a little bit more money, which I don't have a problem with. But they say no to the union, which I think is probably a smart play as well. But the big one was for the, the U-22 junior age limit increase. And it actually got voted in favor, 52-48, if I'm not mistaken here. But... They needed two-thirds of the vote, so 75% of the vote. They did not get that. So no 22s in Junior A lacrosse in Ontario for now, but we'll see. I, I This vote what is so – What was the amendment? Uh, Austin Owens put out a good piece on, right. on lacrosse flash this week. I think – was this before – the vote that they were going to amend to just make it for next season. Yes. And now that is now that's been reversed too. Yeah. So the amendment was to make it kind of like a pilot project, a one year test. They thought maybe doing that, I, I think is what they were thinking that it may encourage more people to vote for it. If it was only a one year thing, but they voted that down and then they voted the age limit increase down as well. And it looks like about 50, 50. I've heard, Multiple different things, uh, you know, going independent for the entire league. But if you only got half your league willing to do that, I don't know if that happens. And for me, yeah. like, I just, I couldn't, I kept asking the question, why now? Why not wait for the the study to come back? What is the hurry to make this happen? And I couldn't get a straight answer. And the whole, you know, these guys are going to miss out on their last year junior sentiment. I'm sorry. Like I'm so yeah, I, over that. I, 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 no, I don't. I don't. There's a couple of things I don't buy. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I no. don't buy that. I don't buy that sentiment. And I also like you, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. I don't buy the sentiment of what do the players want because yeah, everybody wants. Of course they want. The year. And the other thing is that we've all had, we've all lost things this season. We've all missed out on big opportunities. And Austin's piece too, um, saying that they might amend and they were and that Ontario was willing to amend for one year even if it had meant sitting out the national championships and Austin would basically What's say in that the piece point? That the, the news is almost pointing now to though, that there may not be a national championships in 2021 either, which is crazy. So those kids are going to lose out on something too. So now what we're going to, we're going to list it to 23. So everybody can play the year after that. Like, well, that's what I said. On, it, we're like, all, we're all taking losses this year and let's wait for the science and move on at that time. That's all you can do. So we'll just kind of keep an eye on that and see how that story continues to play out. We'll keep you apprised. Um, just want to mention this. I, I got like a ton of feedback, not only through social channels, but just like people messaging me, texting me, calling that Darius Kilgore, our interview last week on one Oh four was maybe their favorite of all time. I, I just said to you, as soon as we hung up with Jimmy Velvet <laughs> that we might've surpassed it with scoop. But I, if you haven't heard episode one Oh four yet with Darius Kilgore, go back and listen to that interview because I, I tend to agree. Like you, you were like top, that's top three. That's right. Like as soon as we were done and I'm on board, man, like that was a fantastic interview, but so was, was Jim Veltman and Dan Stroop for that. Well, people, people root for Darius Kilgore because he has been out of the NLL limelight for a long time now because he was in uh he's had some personal troubles he was in a, a car accident where he got struck by a car a couple of years ago and his legs full of metal and he's he's had he's battled his demons and he's overcome his demons as well and i think people are rooting for him to get back in the league so to hear him be so candid with us and 
And to have all the insight and the philosophy that he still has, like this man needs to be behind a bench. And I totally buy in of what the feedback you were hearing. Like, sign me up for more Garrett Dares Kilgore. Yeah, well, we got to have him back on. No question about it. Uh, last one I got is Team Store. I didn't mention it last week. I'll mention it this week. Don't forget Lacrosse Classified T-shirts, courtesy of Lacrosse Savage, up on Lacrosse Flash Team Store lacrosseflash.com slash team store lacrosse flash lacrosse classified t-shirts along with a bunch of other ones on there as well uh, we gotta get like a chancellor shirt i think on, on on the flash team store as well so check that out uh and again you mentioned austin owens patty gregoire uh adam levy all doing good work over there on the flash uh, evan sheminar as well and good content always coming out of uh off that website so make sure you're Checking that out on the reg. I think that is it for quick sticks, which means it's time for something else. Let's begin. All right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Oh, let's try something else. Hey, Bradley and Jake, it's Jim Else here. Time for another week of something else on the Lacrosse Classified podcast. This segment sponsored by G. Wilson Construction. Uh, absolutely appreciate that. On to the show. Uh, this week could be filled up by my views on Trump, Biden, and my personal favorite, Kamala Harris. Uh, but I want to talk about something else. That something else is my relationship with Victoria Shamrocks. Uh, over the years, I've been given the job to supply... Cars to players from out of town. Um, often I am the first person they meet when they got off the plane. Um, their bags and possessions in hand, we throw them in a car, get insurance, and I slap them on the ass and they go on their way. The cars that we give are not all the best cars in the world. Any player that's uh, driven one of my cars will tell you that. They're safety inspected and that's about it. In saying that, uh, Steve Priolo and Jackie rolled into town uh, their very first day in Victoria, gave them an absolutely not mint 1995 purple Chrysler Intrepid. And they go to the game, we do the game, everything we win, everything's all good. Scott Ranger jumps in his truck, takes a corner a little too hard, and absolutely rips the whole front bumper off of Steve and Jackie's new car. This leads to me giving them my car, me running down to the lot, driving home, taking the key for theirs. But when I take their key, I take their home key as well. So I get home 35 kilometers north, in bed, get a phone call. I've got their house key, they're stuck outside. Those are good times. Meeting in a closed Tim Hortons parking lot at 1.30 and 2 o'clock in the morning so they can go home. Those are good times. Obviously, pre-van times for the Priolos. Um, they, they don't need a house key anymore, and I don't give them a car anymore. Uh, getting on to uh, guys like Mitch Jones. Mitch uh, sending me a text um, of his car, a 19, gosh, 95 Pontiac Grand Am going 185 kilometers an hour basically stops my heart but he he survived I don't know uh said he popped a tire at some point I don't know how fast he was going he survived John Harnett gave me a call one time he was up in Mill Bay for some reason popped a tire I go I pick the guy up take him back to Luxton two in the morning there's a bunch of absolute beauties Jesse King sitting there with his gold medal from Canada from the world championships Cody Hagedorn making pizza pops uh the house is electric uh uh, absolutely hilarious group of guys down at the Lexton, uh, the Lexton Hotel. Anyways, I'll probably do a part two on this one at some point um, in the near future. I've had a lot of interactions with cars and, and players over the years. 
but we'll leave it at that. Hope everyone is well. Uh, I go in for a surgery on Thursday for my throat, so you might hear a different guy the next time you listen to one of these, um, and hopefully I sound better. Anyways, uh, take care, and uh, good times. Ciao. Something else brought to you by G. Wilson Construction, an award-winning firm with a single focus, building fine custom homes. You know the drill by now. If you haven't done it yet, you're out of work. Uh, I might be doing this pretty soon if uh, we don't get back underway sooner than later. GWilsonConstruction.com. Work with us tab. Top right there. Upload your resume. Tell them you heard it on Lax Class and start your career in the construction business, building fine custom home something else jim else uh, just mentioned we'll, we'll have to figure out what's going on in the weeks to come here jim uh, having a little surgery on his larynx so that's why kind of jim sounds the way he does not that we don't appreciate the way jim sounds but we'll be i'm intrigued to hear how jim sounds after the surgery here but enough about all that jim if you don't know uh the proprietor of the used car center over there in langford and he is really the the guy when it comes to shamrocks needing vehicles for the summer and he's hooked up some some beauties with some beauties over the years including uh mitch jones who got some sort of integra up to like 185 which is a little scary and i'm sure he's i'm sure he's hooked up some junkers with some junkers over the years too <laughs> yes. over Tor- in victoria Tory gardner but, comes to mind yeah <laughs> no it's nice to you know it's it's people like jim that keep teams ticking especially at the WLA and, and junior A level, you know, you think about billets and you think about volunteers, everybody behind the scenes. He is one of those guys. And if it's not for guys like that, then people like Priolo and Ryan Banesh, when they come to town, they're, you know, they get lost or they can get in trouble, you know, and a guy like Jim can really keep guys on the, keep guys on the right track and make sure they feel like home and, and feel comfy to, to play and, and live here. There you go. Box nine, uh, used car center, Jim Els there, and and uh, get thoughts, positive vibes for the Jimmer who uh, goes under the knife on Thursday, and uh, we'll have to figure out uh, what's happening here for the next couple of weeks. Is something else? No, but... I like the way Jim sounds. I hope his voice doesn't change too much. No, it's I one know. Of those, like it's one of those like sidle up and really listen when he's talking kind of voices. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Uh, you're right about that. So I think. That is it for EP105. That was a biggie once again here. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate our sponsors, of course, and Stampede Tech, Vancouver Warriors, Associate Labels and Packaging, G. Wilson Construction, and our good friends at Manscaped as well. Thanks to Jim Veltman and Dan Stroop for coming on the program. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. You can give us a follow on social media. In the meantime, at Brad Chow, I'm at PXB for Sports. The show is at Lax Class, or you can send me an email at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com as well. Folks, continue to do the right things. Wash your hands, physical distance, wear your mask out in public, and let's get through this thing together. Big shout out to our first responders who continue to fight the good fight. We thank you from us right here on Lacrosse Classified. For Brad Challoner, I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, we'll talk to you next week on Lacrosse Classified here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Be safe and be healthy, everybody.